Hey everybody, this is Pete Faziani from Red Flag Poetry. Um, I am sitting down with Jeffrey Bean and Matthew Roberson um, from Stratford University. Uh, I'm by myself today as Wesley, Matthew, and Sarah all live in Pennsylvania and I no longer live there. Uh, we're going to talk today about some good things. Um, Matt uh, has a poem to be determined in terms of publication date. We're working on that tomorrow, hopefully. Um, and today we're going to talk about <clears throat> performing poetry, performing in front of people, and kind of this, this situation of, of reading. So, uh, Jeff and Matt, thank you for sitting down with me. My pleasure. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. Jeffrey's most Jeff's most recent book, Woman Putting on Pearls, um, when did it come out? June. June of 2017. Yep. So, mm -hmm. still good. Where can they find it? Uh, you can find it various places online. Probably the best deal is to go to my website, which is jeffreybeanpoet.com. And I think that's the place online you can get it most cheaply. Um, small press distribution is another good option. Okay. Do you have anything in the works other than your poem right now? Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm working on a novel. Um, stories are coming out here and there. The, the, the most recent novel that I published was, was List, and that came out in 2015. Um, and just, just any of any of my books can... I guess Amazon's probably the... Which list is amazing. Actually, it's really good. I, I, think, I think it was 2015. I can't keep uh, track of, of dates anymore, but thank you. I taught uh, Impotent again in the fall. Did you? That's, I, that's, that's my nice. favorite. I've taught Impotent twice now. Oh, that's awesome. Anyhow, um, Matt has a poem coming out, a haiku from a college town, uh, on our postcard mm -hmm. um, series soon. Uh, Matt, do you want to... Yeah, I, let me... I, I pulled it up on the screen here, so I sent you. I sent you three. Um, did you guys all. pick one? Or all you, of them. The whole they're, thing. They're all going to go there. Okay. Let me let me read them. Um, and boy, these you know, living in a college town, these just present them <laughs> themselves to you. I can't wait to hear these. I haven't heard these um, yet. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is this: youthful partiers. I see you're at it early. I'll mow as loudly. <laughs> The second one is inspired by, uh, it's inspired by, you know, just how crazy people are, pedestrians are during game day. They're just wandering and running out in the middle of the street. But just also driving on campus is just, uh, the possibility of running somebody over, running a student over is just so great. Dear pedestrians, I root for your survival, but help me out here. And then the last one is, um, this has got a, um, this is, I, I hope this means something to Pete, who's also a corgi person. My corgi sniffs the natty light cans, roaming drunks tossed over our fence. And more than once, my, my corgis have sniffed those natty light cans. That's great. And, and what's so funny about all of those is that I once lived across from you and like... Did you, really, you didn't live in that big brick building. 701. I lived, no, so... Did you really? Yeah, the, the one with the pointy top. The one that's got like a Camelot sign on it now. Why would they oh, destroy oh, my that. house? I know that Seven place. Down at the end they of the destroyed block. my house with that Camelot sign. What's uh, that about? Yeah, but weird. Yeah, so that hasn't been there for a long time. No. That's a fairly, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah they destroyed my house. <laughs> but I know exactly kind of the, the situation which yeah. you're talking about. A lot, of, a lot of partiers wandering by. Which I never did. You never partied? <laughs> no, I, yeah. Good for you. I was too nerdy. Yeah. So uh, today I want to talk about performing poetry, right, Matt? Um, just read that for us. And I guess the big question is, is how does, um, when you guys get up in front of the, the, the what is that called? The, pet, the uh, podium. 
Oh, yeah, the podium. Got it. <laughs> the podium or the lectern, right? Oh, Depending yeah, on right. how fancy you want to get. Right. How does that situation change what you read? Hmm. Um, and I guess what actually spawned this is so a couple of weeks ago I was, um, we went down to Cleveland to do a reading with a friend for my own book. Um, and in my book there are a couple F words and I typically don't hmm. use F words in my poetry. I just don't. like yeah. it's, it's not my style. Mm -hmm. But I did then, and when I'm reading there, my, my friend, it was mostly my friend Kevin's family, and they're a little bit older. And so I called the audible, and I didn't use the F word. I think I actually said F and you know, rather than right. I just didn't say it, and it just felt right, felt better, and like the mood. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, does that change the poem? Yeah. Right. Huh. So that, that's kind of spawned us. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, that story you just told is interesting because as soon as you asked that question, I was thinking, I think it. You know, what you choose to read a lot of times, it's not just the podium, but also what audience are you reading to? And most often, for Matt and I, I think I can safely say our audience is undergraduates yeah. mostly, but then some community members, some colleagues. Mm -hmm. Especially when we're reading here. Especially when we're reading yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but even if we're reading elsewhere, often the audience will be similar. But sometimes it's, it's different. Like I, when I launched Women Putting on Pearls, for example, the audience, I, I knew less about what the audience was going to be like because the book launch was in Santa Fe, which is where the press is, uh, Red Mountain Press. And they held the book launch out there. And I flew out there, and it was at a theater, like a local theater, in, just in Santa Fe. And the editor said, you know, we usually get a lot of people from the community. It was not going to be an academic audience. And it kind of gave me a little more anxiety as I prepared the reading than I expected it to because I thought, well, or I've been reading to the, a certain kind of audience mostly for the last several years and I know what they respond to. Will this audience respond to the same thing? And I actually, I think I, at that reading, I feel like I sort of talked a little too much in between poems, partly because I was nervous about like making sure the audience got it, kind of, which, mm -hmm. and then in, in retrospect, I was like, man, I should have just read more poems without saying anything. And the audience loved it. They responded just like the to the same things that the. But I chose some slightly different pieces. I think that than I would have. Um, whereas when I'm often reading to our students or undergraduates, I love to read the poems with the f bombs in them. You right. know, it's, exactly, it's a good yeah. wake up. Yeah. And and also a lot of times, there'll be students in the audience who are coming for a class or something, and maybe they haven't heard much contemporary poetry. They don't even know such things are permissible in poetry, and mm -hmm. it's kind of an easy way to quickly show them options for contemporary poetry they might not have been aware of to pick some of the edgier pieces or funnier pieces or but then I kind of shied away from that a little bit at the other reading but then that audience was responding to just the same thing I had a really similar experience I was reading at a small bookstore in my hometown I'd been there visiting and, and um, I'd arranged to do a reading while I was there and <clears throat> yeah I mean the audience that showed up um, I be you know just thinking about it the morning of the reading I was like ah, I this is not going to be my typical audience. It's probably going to be community members, and that's yeah. what it turned out to be. And I had to change my choice of what I what I read, you know, just before we got there because I. What's going to work with them? What's you know? I didn't want yeah. I didn't want to offend. I you know, right. you know all those those considerations. And fortunately, you know, uh, you know I made I made the right choices. Whew. It's always such Good, a yeah. when it goes well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so. Yeah, audience is a huge, huge deal. Yeah, I think that it's it's super interesting the way that we, as a, as a culture, right? We try to like, I don't want to say censor ourselves, but yeah. you know, <clears throat> I have a friend who 
um, when we launched his chapbook in 2015, his I think his favorite word is the F word. You know, and this it's right. That's, there's nothing wrong with it, but there's this you know this is who he is and he's and he owns it. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, in 2012, with a completely different person, different situation, we were at a bookstore and uh, doing something for the Mill, which is a journal I was on in, mm-hmm. at Toledo, and I asked at the bookstore's request, I asked one of the poets. Can you can you hold back? Just the bookstore. They asked us. Let's try to be respectful. Right. This is a family place. There are, right. there's a kids right. section right there. Yeah, you know? right. And he got very offended. Mm. He yeah. had been drinking, and he he almost punched <laughs> me in the face. Oh, you know. <laughs> so like, it's interesting that we even try to deal with the idea of do we censor mm. ourselves? Right? Yeah. Where do we, and why would we? Right? Because right. if you use the the f word there, it's not like you're doing it to be vulgar. You're, you know, you're talking about something. It's this what. The censoring that I did for myself in the in the reading that I was talking about was not um, was not uh, I wasn't trying to be more proper. I, right. I just had realized, and I was reading a section. I was I was going to read one section from Impotent um, about um, later stages in life, and I realized that the audience that I was going to be reading to were a lot of older people, and yeah. I yeah, it was yeah. it was a pretty just, you know kind of a pretty um, upsetting section about about some of the challenges older people face, and I'm like I'm not. Right. Going to so, read this, and, yeah. and so I, you know. Were you trying to protect them, or were you trying to shield yourself from? I was trying to protect, you know, from uh, bad. Yeah, vibes. I mean, I was trying to protect them. Uh, well, yeah, no, it was there's a little bit self serving too, because I, I, I didn't yeah. want them. You know, that's a mood killer. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it's tough being old. Death right. is around the corner. <laughs> right. Um, Here, buy my book. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and I think Matt and I are both the kind of readers. Again, I keep speaking for you, Matt. Sorry, but um, oh, please do. Uh, I wish you did all. I, I, <laughs> um, but I just you and I have done a lot of readings together over the years, and um, I think uh, you and I both really think about audience a lot, yeah. which not every reader does, and perhaps they shouldn't. It should be up to the artist to decide. I think you know, but I'm very sensitive to. I don't want to take too much of the audience's time. Right. I want to make them get the most out of the experience that they can. I want it to be engaging for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and partly when I'm choosing pieces to read, I feel like there are definitely, and this seems like an obvious thing to say, but there are, there are definitely pieces that work better out loud than others. And partly that's mm-hmm. um, either the tone is, is you, you want to get a blend of tones, like you don't want it to all be morose, um, uh, or all ridiculous and goofy, you know, you might want to, you might want to mix, I think about that kind of thing, like mixing tones within a single reading. Um, but, uh, I lost my train of thought. What was I? I think a lot of it comes from teaching. I mean, we've, we've both been oh, yeah. teaching for a long time and, yeah. um, very sensitive to That's getting true. a good response from, right. you know, getting people engaged and, yeah. uh, um, keeping them engaged. And yep. And I don't think every, like the person you were just talking about, you know, not every, and actually I've seen some very, I won't name the name, but there was one um, poet, very famous Pulitzer Prize winning poet, who just said, I don't care at all what the audience thinks. And this person got up there and read in the most monotone, it was like mm-hmm. almost sub-audible, very mm-hmm. soft voice. That sounds like Dylan. And everybody just like, yeah. <laughs> well, you mean Bob yeah, Dylan? Bob Dylan, he gets up on stage, turns his back Oh yeah, yeah, audience, yeah. and he's like, fuck and, and, and this poet said, the real experience of it is on the page. And of course there are poems that are, are better experienced on the page and poems that are better experienced out loud. And this poet though, I think has wonderful poems to be read out loud. But this poet said, I just don't care about readings. I think it's a terrible sort of side effect of what I do that I have to go do these readings. And uh, this poet just 
under the voice, barely audible, and the audience hated it. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, but I'm like, man, I would not. I I just would be. I couldn't get up there and do that. I'm so sensitive to wanting. But not every poet or fiction writer is that way. So I don't know, maybe this is going to sound kind of grumpy. I don't think that person should be reading. It. Yeah, right. I get an ine- inevitable side effect. I guess if you're pulist, people are just demanding that you come and read. And I think I think this poet would choose maybe not to. Yeah, I think that's that an that's... extreme example, though. That brings yeah. up an interesting uh, issue, though, right? So, <laughs> you you're selecting, you're kind of cultivating which poems you read or which selection you're reading, right? right. Does that change the experience? You know what I'm saying? Is that so? You, you pick the top five poems from Woman Woman Putting on Pearls. Somebody buys the book, they get home, and they're like, well, the rest of this is not what I expected mm, because he read these funny ones or he read these yeah. kind of serious ones. Mm. And that's... You know, I kind of I think about that too, actually, that I don't want to... That's what I also meant when I was saying I think about a blend of different tones. It's also, if I'm reading from a book, I want to give a little cross-section of the book that I feel like is truly representative of the book. I actually do think about that. And I don't want to mislead somebody into thinking it's all mm-hmm. this, it's all funny like this poem. or mm-hmm. um, It's impossible to totally give a perfect microcosm of any book with just a small selection, but still, I feel like I am conscious of that. I try to try to get a mix of the different kind of out. directions that the book is going mm-hmm. in so that a person who might want to pick up the book aware of that you know my my concern is um i think uh that uh the experience of hearing me read from from one of my books for example um is very different than reading it on the page and so i i sometimes you know i i i uh i rehearse the reading and i you know i i i do a lot to make sure that the the words come off the page in just the way i intend um and uh, some of my writing can be very spare, and so you get home and you're looking at it on the page, and it's very different. Uh, you might not read it as slowly, and you might not, it might, might not, the moments, different moments might not be accentuated in the, in the way that I would if I were reading it. And so mm-hmm. I, I do worry sometimes that people hear it, and they're like, I can connect with it, hearing it, but then I see it on mm-hmm. the page, and it's, it's, it's much more minimalist, and they don't connect with it. Um, Especially with, like, a novel like Impotent. Yeah. yeah. So, like... Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had students who were like, how do I read this? And that was actually a, a, a major day in my class was like, how do we read mm. this novel? You know, there's that section you have to turn it sideways and right. everything just starts to d- disintegrate. Things are blurring together. Yeah. And you've got footnotes. And, and like, yeah. so we had that section, how do we read this? And I put that task on them, whereas in your reading, you probably wouldn't read that particular section, but you're saying, here's how I read this. Yeah. And you're providing them that, those yeah. keys, those codes. Yeah. And and the, the more recent book lists too, um, you know, I mean, just, just you've just got short line after short line that are just sort of lists, accumulations of things, and I can read it slowly and pause and accentuate and emphasize and so on, and um, not as easy to figure. I think people should. Uh, I should put a, a little a, a disclaimer. disclaimer. To the, yeah. yeah, please read this book out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that's interesting that some gets back to that thing that came up earlier that some work. And I really feel like that about your work. It's almost meant to be read out loud in some way. It's, it's especially pleasurable to read it do out you, loud. Do you ever, I mean, sometimes as I'm writing, I'm thinking, you know, not every piece, but some pieces I'm thinking, how is this going to How is this gonna play in performance? Yeah. Do you, do you, you must do oh, that yeah. as well. Well, um, were you at my last reading? Was it the one with the, the, with the two, two of us? Yeah, yeah. yeah. with the television Or, or I meant our, the last one on CMU, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that last poem I read, My Yard, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember that poem. Love it. But um, I got such a big response from that, and I was like, I just don't feel like 
that poem is the same on the page at all. Mm -hmm. But I knew almost as I was writing it or, or working on revisions, I was like, oh, this would be a great one for out loud. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. about, maybe it won't even find its home in a book mm -hmm. or a chapbook, but this I would be a great out loud poem, you know? Like, mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes you know you're dealing with one. And then, if I, that's interesting, maybe even in the composition or revision process, when I become conscious of a piece that might be especially well suited to an out loud reading, I wonder, I've never really consciously thought about this, but I, I bet it influences how I write the poem when I start imagining that audience. Because I don't do that with every poem I write. I'm not thinking about the audience responding to it or thinking about an out loud performance. But sometimes I do, and I bet you that that leads to some changes in the, it, in the revision it, or it, composition. It does, it does for me, for sure. And, and you know, I worry, I, I worry. I kind of worry about everything, but I worry, I worry about um, the fact that, you know, I don't, I, I don't love giving readings. And so I will, you know, when the, a book comes out, I'll try to give a bunch of readings around but mostly I just give the annual faculty reading here. And so the, the audience that I'm mostly thinking about, if I'm thinking about an audience while I'm reading is, or while I'm writing is, is the CMU audience, which is a mix of undergrads, colleagues, faculty members, former students, you know, and maybe that's not a big enough audience to be thinking about if I'm thinking about an audience. I don't know though, you're, I've seen many of your readings and I think that would play really well to all kinds of different audiences. Maybe it is. Maybe it is Except for audience. maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe you were right to censor some of those, like in terms of subject matter for a particular audience. like. But in terms of the delivery and, you know, and even the selections usually. I bet that's one thing I kind of learned after I got all uptight about the, the reading I was going to do in Santa Fe, thinking, oh, the audience is going to be different. But I thought they would have responded to the exact same things, or they did respond to the exact yeah, same things. I thought a, maybe the audience isn't as different as I think it's yeah. going to be, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it's good to know. Yeah. It's interesting. I had some poems rejected uh, last month, two months two month ago. Welcome to this um, month. Yeah. No, I, yeah, <laughs> this right. is like a daily <laughs> thing. Yeah, this right. particular rejection was, it said that these, oh, I'd like to, you know, we couldn't find a place for these, but I'd like to hear these out loud. Oh, weird. Oh, cool. And... Yeah. When I when I think of myself as a writer, I there only there's only one poem that I can think of that I really wrote this mm. to be out loud, and mm. it was, it's in it's in my book, and it's just this like kind of weird listy thing. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what the title is, but anyhow, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I can see what you're saying with these because when I read them, when I perform them, and this is actually just something my wife has said recently, that I'm getting better at it. Because mm -hmm. it's those weird punchlines in our poems. It's those yeah. weird, like, as if we're telling a joke and we want the yeah, audience yeah. to be in on it. And Timing. you wait yeah. and you look at them like, did you get that? <laughs> That's right. uh -huh. you know? <laughs> so it's, it's this weird moment that, I, that I'm trying to, to kind of come across. But I, when I get in front of people, personally, and I, you're, kind of, you're kind of a silly person. Like, oh, you God, know. yes. And you, don't, you don't know Bean as well, but I don't, he's yeah. even sillier than He's on my reading, though. Yeah. I was pretty goofy. I'm a very yeah. silly person as a teacher, as in, you know, oh, in God, front yeah. of the classroom. Definitely. But my poems are pretty serious, like, you mm -hmm. know. So when I'm trying to, like, sell my poems, I'm like, well, this is a good one about how my dad is a <laughs> terrible guy. <Yeah. laughs> you know, and then I really sell it like that, and I just launch in. So it's like, then I go into my poem, like, oh, my God, I hate this. Because, like, yeah. I'm a silly person up front, and then this poem is so... I have that. I get that a lot because I do. I have some very, well, especially no, and in that book too, for sure. But especially in my first book, I'm trying to remember. But um, a lot of times, that was always a comment I'd hear when people would read the poems on the page or even hear a reading. They said, "Well, you're always making jokes, but the poems were so serious, right. or they were in a, mar in a more minor key and kind of darker than I expected." Mm. 
So I sometimes wonder about that too, and, and I think that's why I usually try to, like it would be hard for me to do a reading of all material like that. I'd want to have some levity, some Absolutely. light, lighter pieces. But at the same time, like I said before, I'm not sure I would want to do a whole, I know I wouldn't want to do a whole reading of just funny stuff, and then they would encounter, and a lot of the stuff in that book is certainly not, when you read it on the page. Like the voyeur poems even get pretty intense and uncomfortable and a little bit, they're very serious in tone at least, you know, they're, none of, I don't think I, maybe one or two of them might be kind of funny, but, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, uh. Well, yeah, I, I tend to just steer away from reading that really... Re I, I can't say that, can I? I, I, got, I had a grad student say to me one year, um, so we're going to hear the typical Matt Robertson yeah. melancholy oh, tonight. <laughs> and, or, you know, it wasn't that night in, in, the, in the upcoming reading, and I was I really I took that to heart. So that I went in and I, I read the goofiest damn thing I'd, I'd written in a long time. And, yeah. um, well, you've read, I feel like, the last several readings you've had Often a blend, or that's what I've tried to do. They'll yeah. be really funny ones. Though, too. Know, Some of those are just great. I've been reading from. I've been reading. I'm working on this academic, this campus novel, which is taking aim at administrators, which yeah. I, is the softest, easiest target ever, I think. <laughs> um, and I'm having a blast with it. And I've given, you know, like I'll, I'll read a, one piece and then I'll read a section of the novel, and um, that's a good. That's a good example of where audiences shift. Um, the uh, the the more undergraduate <laughs> audience. They don't, they don't connect as much with the campus novel. But all my colleagues that are there and all the faculty members, they all come up to me afterward. Oh, yeah. and they're like, "Holy shit!" Just, <laughs> well, that's, that's true. That's life, an interesting. Man. That's an interesting point. Like with the audience, like that's one where, that's true. An academic audience is going to receive that a lot yeah. differently and yeah. more knowingly than another kind of audience. Yeah. What was the uh, the big tent, the yurt? story that you read uh, yurt, yeah that was that was it the was great it was so great oh, i mean was that that was i meant that to be goofy but it also was i, I hope kind of serious too yeah. right and yeah, it, yeah. It, it kind of takes that line in the same thing so yeah, the, yeah and i think the performance helped with that too uh, yeah i hope so yeah. well that's one where i wonder how much of the humor well i i honestly don't know i don't remember it well enough surely there would be plenty of humor reading it on the page too do you think I or think do you so. think that i think so yeah the the reading because i think there would be plenty of what i can remember of it you yeah, still get the humor yeah on the page. but you know. How much do you rehearse? I mean, I... I, I rehearse. Yeah, me too. I... And one reason why I have to rehearse is so I don't take too much time. And I have to time myself, too. And I try to mm -hmm. say, try to figure out when I'm going to talk, when I'm not going to talk. Mm -hmm. And I try to whittle that down. I always want to be too wordy. I always want to say too much. And I have to mm -hmm. afford it. I still mm -hmm. say too much. But I want to I wanna whittle that part of it down, and, and usually I have to rehearse to get that closer to right. Mm -hmm. and, um, but also just, I feel so much more comfortable up there if I've rehearsed it. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit, I often get the emphases wrong if I'm reading it cold, you know? That's I'll, right, I'll, that's exactly right. And, and so I have to run it a few times so that I can, wait a minute, I'm, I'm like emphasizing this, but I need to mm -hmm. not do, and some things are kind of hard to get the inflection right, and you have to practice how you're gonna do it. Yeah. I, and I feel so much more comfortable if I've done that ahead yeah. of time. Yeah, and Pete, you 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 also rehearse. Or do I you? try not to. You try not to. Well, well I'm gonna because say, yeah, I, yeah. I hate the sound of my own voice. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I hate listening to myself. As yeah, it's it's, so, it's painful. Isn't so it? like, yeah, I don't know. 
when we were when I was going down for that reading in Cleveland, I was looking through in the car. Okay, I'm gonna skim. I, I skim. I skim read. You know. Okay, well, there's this poem, and I I want to emphasize that word that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Kind of think it through, but but I really try to it. avoid hearing myself read. Mm. And it started out. I was actually reading one or two, and then I was just like, nope. I'm just. This one takes about three minutes. This one takes four mm. minutes. Okay, yeah. and then I'm just. And that's just how it went. Yeah. Because I, oh, I, I very deliberately chose which poems I wanted to read, but like, right. because in the back of my mind, I've read all of them before, like out loud. Yeah. So there's that emphasis that we were talking about. Do you, do you find um, that you are pretty comfortable reading, or do you get nervous, or it varies from time, like for me, it varies from time to time. Sometimes I feel more nervous than others, which is probably true for most people. It, it's but, all about the, the content. So uh, like, for me, because... Going back to this idea with the F word, you know, or like yeah, yeah. going back to, am I talking about sex in front of the uh, wrong audience? Oh, okay. <laughs> right. You know, and it's, you know, that older audience. And so there's a, there's a, one of my poems that uh, reference, it's called Roads and Atlases. And it says, as if condoms and atlases trap the same things or something like that. <laughs> and I lot. felt very self-conscious when I'm looking out and I'm seeing my friend's mm. like 70 year old grandfather Ooh, yeah. sitting right in mm -hmm. front of me. And he's like, just this like. Who are you as a yeah. human being right now? <laughs> so you're when you feel nervous, it's more to do with content and how it's being received by the particular audience yeah. than just plain old nervousness of being on stage. At this point, I don't care what people think of me as a human yeah. being, Good, like right? on stage. Yeah. Like if they hate me, then well, yeah. So you're pretty comfortable right. with the stage. Yeah. Part yeah. Of it, yeah, I've been teaching since since 2010. So at this point, teaching my, helps a lot. My shtick is already pretty well developed. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Well. Um, teaching helps a lot. Well, um, now I'm really curious, was there, uh, and I'm thinking myself, was, was there ever a moment when I really did feel like I was reading something that was going to mm. shock or offend the audience? Mm. I can only come up with that one example, um, but I, I was wondering, so that was one example from you where um, you felt like the audience was going to be shocked. Um, I was reading a section from Impotent about a, a girl with... Um, sort of a schizophrenic disorder and you know drug user and um, uh, graphic sexual moment you know sex scenes of sex scenes and actually sort of a quasi rape scene um, I think I read that at AWP and uh, I'd read it here on campus and then I read it at AWP and it didn't I think it shocked and startled the people here on campus and then I read it at AWP and and the audience, some of the people in the audience there were like, I was like, well, I was nervous about reading this because I, I felt like it shocked that previous audience. And, and um, you know, some of the people were like, oh, that was, that was the part I liked the best. They were ready <laughs> to be shocked. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that all added up. but That's really interesting. Like, the, the obviously, this, what's the... Um, the theater saying about the matinee or the, you know, the, 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 the oh, rehearsal yeah. is, the, is the... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I know what you're talking you always about. go see the Saturday show because the Friday show is the right is the is the, is the, the dress rehearsal yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you know it's interesting. I was about to say I've never had an experience where somebody was offended or there was a weird clash with the audience. But but then I remember there was one, and um, I was it was it was terrible timing for me because it was the first time I read any voyeur poems, and I was so nervous about for some reason like well. I know the reason. It was sort of this like pervy character that I'd created mm -hmm. and I was doing it in mm -hmm. first person. Mm -hmm. So I'm standing up there going, I'm wanting to sniff your whatever, you know, <laughs> and um, getting all weird and kinky. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, I, and I'm saying it as I, and they've always, every time I've read it, and I, I've gotten a little better about explaining the persona thing right. and emphasizing that at the beginning. Like I think the first time I did, I didn't dwell on that as much in the, in the setup. 
But the very first time, I, and there's never been in trouble with it except for the very first time I, I read it, and it wasn't terrible trouble. It was just that a student came up to me who I was working with very closely, and she was very open about she'd been in a domestic uh, abuse situation. Um, and she said, I just can't stand those poems. They just mm -hmm. creep me out so much and sort of trigger me. And I just, mm -hmm. I, I, and I just thought, oh, God, I felt so bad and thought, this is terrible. Now I have to, you know. But then, but she said, but they're actually, they seem like great poems. And I, you know. Um, I've noticed you do set them, you know, uh, over been, the years. You, you've that's got, why I'm more cautious about really, it now. really good about setting them up. And yeah, so, and now there's never any. And I, I doubt there would have been, except for that one audience right, member at, right. at that very, and maybe this wouldn't even happen today, but it was at that, the timing of it and everything, so. But I mean, she was very, it wasn't like she, was, she was, was holding a grudge against me or anything. It was a very specific case. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But anyway, I, I'd forgotten about that, but that did, that did kind of rattle me a little, because that was like the very thing I was hoping, I was hoping wouldn't happen with the. The Warrior Poems, I think, are the ones those I'm always the poems. most... Love they're always poems. the ones I'm the most uncomfortable about. I love them because they're a little creepy. Well, right, and that's what that's why I was interested in. And partly, I guess I, I did think a little bit about reading those, and I wanted there to be a little more tension in the reading. But but yeah, but I was, a, at first, especially, I was a little more self-conscious about... Well, especially when you're reading to audiences where you know some of the people, or you work with them professionally, or they're especially with students. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I just think that they're thinking like suddenly, like, oh, well, this is his secret pervy yeah, life right, that he isn't. Right. So hard for them not to imagine, or I imagine it's it's hard for them not to imagine that I'm secretly this is really me, and it's how just a thin do, veneer. How much do, how much do audiences imagine us into the stuff that we've written? Probably a huge. Amount. Well, with your writing, you so often it is you you take many details from your life that are true to the facts of your life, but then right. you fictionalize right. the characters, right. you fictionalize the the situations. But I, so I've often wondered that about you. Actually, I've had and I had a friend once ask me who's not a writer after one of your readings. He came and he said, "So wow, Matt went through that whole divorce," and I was like, <laughs> "No, that was just that was just." That was just a fic fictional piece, you know, like, but I feel like you, I, I bet for you, you get that more than I would because you, you kind of walk the line where yeah. you're borrowing a lot of material from your life, but then yeah. fictionalizing it. I mean, and, and, uh, sometimes because it's, you know, just write, write what you know, not what happened to you, but what you understand. Exactly. But, but early on, um, there was a point to it, you know, to, to sort of, um, emphasize the, the, the really blurry line between fiction and reality, yeah. you know, so. Which and my, really my cool. first my first novel had not not one character named Matt but two. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> you do that all the time, and yeah. or in the in the academic one, what is it like Rob Matthewson yeah, or something? Yeah, or, something. I yeah. keep changing it because I don't want it to be too goofy. Right, I, I love it. With with mine, so with my poems in general, they're very much also inspired by everything in my own current life. Sure. So it's interesting my family bought a bunch of my books over christmas and i'm like i had to preface this like i put my dad in a really bad light in this but this is not necessarily true it's this right, moment right. Of this That's kind right. of constructed You're doing it for the purpose of the poem and the the whole premise of my entire book is that i start by attacking this friend this friend of mine does this and by the end of it, it's me that's the, the kind of, mm. like, there's a very self-reflective. And it's not actually me in any sense of it. Like, right. they're all this, this kind of weird mix of both him and mm -hmm. I and how and who's being the good friend and who's mm -hmm. the bad friend. And so when um, when it was published, the publisher contacted Because they're, they're also kind of friends. They also, they, she published his book. Are you sure you want him to do this? Because mm. the initial, the, from the outset, the original title was, I've got this friend. And that was the title of the book, uh, yeah. and it was very much every poem was like, I've got this friend who, and uh, I, I initially scrapped that. So 
have you guys ever, in terms of reading, in terms of performing, and maybe a little bit less with you, but it might work with yours, okay. performed with a group of people at the same time? So this is actually drawn from Mark Jokic's mm. uh, chapbook that he produced in the class that I was in. Mm. We went down to a coffee shop in Jackson and performed it. It was Green Zone, New Orleans. Um, and basically, the entire chapbook was read at once by like seven or eight people. That's and, a trip. And That's I've awesome. actually written a poem in that style, and I always credit Mark Jokic for uh -huh. it. That's super it's cool. It's called uh, The Ending of Every Hallmark movie, Christmas Movie You Never Want to Watch. And it's uh -huh. like seven people reading at once or something. <laughs> seven people reading in a course. I love that. And wait, just so I understand, are the seven people reading different things? Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's like, so you could <laughs> tune into different, yes. uh, oh, that's If cool. you can tune in. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I'm that's... sure that's part of the effect is that, I love that. that some things get lost, but that's part of, the, part of the whole purpose of the performance. Unbelievably, I do have an example. I went, Early on when I, was, I started here at CMU, we invited, I invited Hal Jaffe to come here from California. Hal Jaffe's just a, a really interesting, weird writer. Um, uh, he's been around since, uh, I've been writing since, I want to say, the early 70s. Just very, very cool experimental work. He got here to give his reading, and he pulled. He said, "Well, I can't do this by myself." He pulled me, Kim Chinqui, Mark Yakich into into this very office, and he said, "This is a multi-voice story." And we all had to stand there with him for a while and rehearse our particular voices. Wow! And then he dragged us up in the front of the Baber room, and you know, and we all read, you know, our our lines. And we weren't reading at the same time, but we all had sort of parts in this multi-voiced. Um, uh, story that he was reading and it was cool it was very cool it was just one thing that he read he read several others but does that bridge the gap into like kind of the the dramatic or is that it really did it really did and i it would have been so much better if he had good performers up there who'd you know been better prepared we were all just like doing our best but um maybe that was some of the charm of it that he just mm -hmm. you know pulled us in at the last second and said you're you're doing this with me yeah, you know, I've never done, I, I don't think I can remember I've been a part of that, but I, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I saw a, um, or I did a reading in Petoskey with Robert Fanning and a couple of other poets uh, back in September, and one of the poets, and I cannot think of her name right now, unfortunately, she was a local Petoskey poet, but her first piece, she um, got up there and uh, she asked for just three people from the audience to come up mm -hmm. and it was like a it was a poem that was set in like a beauty parlor or something and they were all like in, in, in mm -hmm. the past mm -hmm. and they were all sitting there with with magazines open in front of them but inside the magazines she had put their lines you know <laughs> and then so then and she like pointed at it and then they would read the line while they were holding the thing up but then it was just it was really a cool effect and it definitely started to make it more dramatic like more like a play or something but then what was great about it was it just made me think in general a cool thing to do at readings that I'd like to do more of is to get the audience involved a little mm -hmm. bit more. Even if it's like you have a line that the whole audience says back to you at the end, like a refrain mm -hmm. at the end of a poem or end of each stanza or something that you're going to have to, like I'm like, hmm, I need to try to look for ways to get the audience, because it's a great way to, to get them to be like fully immersed in the reading. You and, do and that, you do that, but in between poems you do In that. between, yeah. right, but, but I wish I did it more as a part of the poems themselves, and I bet I could either write some or find some poems that would lend themselves to that kind of thing. That would be cool. I uh, was, where was I? Where were we? Well, we were talking about this kind of um, group readings mm -hmm. where you had to... Well, I, w I went to a museum, uh, Grand Rapids Art Museum, and there was a poet in his installation, and he had pictures or uh, dictionaries, and he was ripping the pages out, and he would write a poem on it one line anyhow. I think that'd be really interesting to collect those from the audience. Oh, yeah. 
that are inspired by your poems, one line. Oh, cool. And then kind of do it on the spot, you know, and you, just to see what would happen. You know who did that was Herbert Woodward Martin. Did you go to that reading I when you did I that? I didn't, but I heard. That was amazing. What he did was one word. He had everybody write down one word and uh, on, on index cards. Everybody in the audience, it was a big audience, and then he had a big stack of index cards, and he just improvised a poem and put that one word in the line that he was saying, <laughs> and it was like really good like That's the crazy. poem that it was just it's it was he was really good at i mean i think he's been doing it for years it's like one of his things mm -hmm. but it was amazing and it was just like yeah my boy what did davis schneiderman do with i was just brought, thinking about schneiderman yeah, too we brought davis schneiderman. i tell you what he did i'll never forget it he had and i remember there was like a, a glitch in it too which he explained late after the fact but he he threaded a rope throughout the I mean, whole a audience, big, a thick big rope. thick like like industrial rope, and he tied himself to that. Yeah. And at some he was gonna say start pulling when yeah, I read, it. and like the whole audience was pulling him. But then he was pulling back, and he said, and like the first person let go of the rope, you know, and, and he pulled to the next person, and that person let go of the rope. But then he got to the third person, and he said the whole point of it was he was reading that, while he was doing yeah, that? he was yeah, reading a right. thing, and he was like out of breath, and he was saying <laughs> that the thing while they were pulling him, and and. Uh, but he said the whole point of that is that by the time he, he works his whole way through the audience as people let go of the rope, but the third person with the rope was this rugby player, <laughs> and, and she would not let go, like, for nothing. She was, like, red face, and he was, like, fighting as hard as he could, and she wouldn't let go of the rope, but he oh, didn't God. announce that was the purpose. And so he kind of, like, had to read the whole thing and stop, and then he explained to the audience, like, normally people let go of the rope, but she's like, I wasn't going to let go. I wasn't going to let go of the rope. What was, what was he? He was just sort of, he was trying to, you know... Uh, really dramatize and illustrate the, the push and pull between audience reader and, and audience. And, yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was very memorable. Yeah. I mean, th at that point, it's very much, uh, the performance is almost larger than anything that could be written that's for right. it, you yeah. know? He's, but I he's mean, really, that's, he's a that's conceptual, good. conceptual artist, you know? Right, it's, it, right, cases, it's a, yeah. which is, is great. There's nothing. Yeah. Put that in contrast with the Pulitzer Prize. It, right, oh, exactly. Right. Like, exactly, right. like purely meant for the see? page and yeah. shouldn't go off the page versus, um, uh, it doesn't live really without the performance. Yeah. I got anything else? I think, yeah. yeah, we, yeah okay. that, that'll do it. Man. Well, I appreciate uh, your time, both of you. Um, I know Thank that you your semester is probably starting, starting soon. Yeah, so you get those last, last minute. Oh, you're yeah. already in semester. We're in semester. I guess that makes yeah. sense why everyone is downstairs. Yeah, Duh. yeah. It just is this the end of the first week, week of classes. The, end yeah. of the first week of classes. Well, I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Bean's uh, Woman Putting on Pearls can be bought on his website, which is Jeff jeffreybeanpoet.com, or just Google it and you can find it all over the place. And uh, Matt Roberson's poem will be coming up TBD, but his work can be found on Amazon, and you have three, three novels. Three novels. And, yeah, three novels. Um, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pete. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of the Red Flag Poetry Use Your Words podcast. Special thanks go out to my guests, Matthew Roberson and Jeffrey Bean of Central Michigan University. Matthew Roberson's postcard is coming up soon, his three haiku from a college town. If you're new to the podcast, please feel free to check out our website, redflagpoetry.com. There you can see a lot of our previous postcards that have been digitized for you to view. You can also check out our Express poems, which are an email poem that is free. Additionally, we have a lot of great poems um, in chapbooks and in full lengths in our store. Um, and if you're interested, you want to get stay up to date with us, please consider subscribing to our postcard. That's how we can keep this whole project going. Our next month's poem, February 2018, is called Sibling Rivalry by Alexis Roan Fancher. It's going to be a great poem, um, and we'd love to mail you some postcards. 
This podcast was recorded and edited and produced by me, Peter Faziani. And I hope that you have a nice day. Bye.